We're a family whose heart is growing more in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. We are after his heart. We know that God is a giving God. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave. He gave his best, his one and only son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, because we want to mirror his heart, we're motivated then to excel in the grace of giving. Because he's a giving God. There are times when the subject of giving money comes up in the church, and we squirm a little bit, not all the time, but sometimes. I don't know if you're squirming even now as I, as I, as I, as I even say the, the word, giving money. Who gets the money, and where's the money going? What's this money thing all about? There are times when, when I squirm when that subject comes up myself. But uh, rarely does anyone actually stand up and walk out of the service. I've never had anybody do that before. In, in all my years of, of preaching, no one's walked out on me. Now, maybe there are some who have wanted to do that, but you've refrained yourselves, and you've stayed right there in your seat, but not last week. Not last week. Last week, there was actually someone who walked, got up out of their seat, Walked out on my, in my message. I, I couldn't believe it. I started to talk about money, and this woman gets up out of her chair, walks right out of the service. And I had self-control. I had self-control because I wanted to say to her, hey, you. <laughs> you need to turn around. Sit back in your chair. We all need this sermon. No one's exempt. But I let her go. That someone was my mom. <laughs> right on the second row. I'm not kidding you. Luke 16, I started talking about money, and there she is. She's walking out. I didn't say anything, but after the service, I went right to my mom. What's up? Being the caring son that I am, I didn't even ask how she was doing. <laughs> Just wanna, what were you thinking? No. She said she had a, a tickle in her throat and that she needed a glass of water. And I was thinking to myself, Mom, I tried that line 40-some years ago. And when I had a tickle in my throat and I was bored because of this long, boring sermon... What did she say to me? You can wait till it's over with. <laughs> so, Mom, I'm going to try this again, all right? Everybody, there she is. You keep her right there <laughs> in that chair. <laughs> Obviously, I'm having fun. In all seriousness, my mom, who is 90 years old, talks about what God is saying to her through these messages pretty much every week she'll sit there out there with, with, uh, with Yogi drinking a cup of coffee and, and many times they're talking about, about the word of God and what the Lord's saying to them and so I just hope that uh, as I grow older mom that my heart will be like yours that I would always be open to what the Lord wants to say to me even about money 
Amen? So, turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles to Luke 16, verses 1 through 15. We know that Jesus loved telling stories. He would, he would use things in his culture. He would use people and various, various things that, that would draw people in and listen to, to the point that he was trying to make. And it was always a, a principle of the kingdom of God. It was these aspects about, about God's kingdom that he wanted to, to get across. There are 38 parables. I don't know if you're aware that 16 of the 38 parables in the Gospels deal with money. Isn't that interesting? 16 of them. The kingdom principle in this parable, in Luke 16, is about how we handle worldly wealth or money. Bottom line, we know this parable is about trustworthiness. It's a matter of trust, part two. That's what it's all about. Before we read this parable, I want to tell you another story. It's in the category of, did you hear the story about? Did you hear this? <laughs> this I like this story. It's a, it's a fun story. I think Jesus would get a kick out of it. I don't know. He'll tell me when I, when I get to heaven. He'll say, that was a dud. <laughs> but it's a, a story about a doctor, a pastor, and a businessman. They were mutual fan, friends, and they had an elderly, an elderly friend who, who knew that uh, he was ill. He knew that his time to, to depart was soon to come. And so he gathered his friends around him, the, the, the pastor and the businessman and the doctor. And he said, hey, guys, here... Here's the deal. I don't think it's true. I've always heard that you can't take your money with you when you die. But just in case, just in case you can, here's each, each person, the doctor, the businessman, and, and the pastor. They each got a, an envelope, and in the envelope was $100,000 cash. And so this guy said, when... When you come and pay your final respects, what I want you to do is, is I want you to take that, that envelope and I want you to put it in my pocket, all right? And so, so he, he did die, and, and they were paying their, their final respects, and, and uh, the businessman or the doctor comes up, and, and uh, they all do this, all right? And then they were talking with each other at, out, you know, after the, the service, and they were just conversing, and they were starting to feel convicted. A couple of them, anyway. Two of them were convicted. One wasn't. The doctor, he, he, he said to the guys, hey, I got a confession to make. We needed a CAT scan at, at the, the doctor's office, and so I held back $20,000, all right, and, and, and I put it towards this CAT scan. I put the rest there with, with, with our friend. And uh, the, uh, the pastor, can you believe it, the pastor? He said, guys, yeah, I got a confession to make too. We have this building addition, and so I took out $50,000 of, of the cash, and, and I kept it, and I, I put it towards the building project. And the businessman, he was beside himself. He could not believe that his friends would actually do such a thing. 
And then he said to these guys, I can't believe it. He was our friend. I want you to know that I wrote out a personal check for $100,000. I put it all right there. Now, that's maybe a dud. (laughs) It's a story nonetheless. Jesus loved to tell stories. And his story that he told was way better than this story. I don't know if that guy was, was shrewd or if he was downright dishonest. I, I think the, the businessman was like that. But Jesus told this story. We read it last week. It's a great story. I'm going to read it again. Luke 16, verse 1. Jesus told his disciples there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management, because you cannot be my manager any longer. The manager said to himself, What shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do, so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. This was his social security. He had a plan. So he called in each of his master's debtors. He asked the first, How much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 450. Then he asked the second, How much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, Take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he acted shrewdly. It's not a bad word. Look it up in the dictionary again. It means to be prudent, acute. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves, so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. We're going to talk about what that means today. What does he he mean by that? Verse 10, whoever can be trusted, five times in three verses, Jesus talks about trust. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one or love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Verse 14, the Pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your heart. What people value 
highly is, dis, dis, is detestable in God's sight. Lord, I ask now, as we read this text, Lord, this parable, this story, as we seek to understand it, I pray that you would teach us again by your spirit, Lord, that each of us would encounter what it is that spirit you are saying to us today. Speak to us, Lord, individually. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's three kingdom truths about money here in this parable. I'm not a a financial expert in any stretch of the imagination. That's not my sweet spot, but it's in the Word, and it's always a joy to open up the Word and discover some new things that have always been there. We know that. And, and the Lord can even teach me some things about money. And he has. And this has been a joy for me. I've enjoyed it. I've struggled with, with the, the story. I've scratched my head and said, what, what are you trying to communicate, Jesus? This sounds like there's dishonesty going on here, but it's shrewdness. And the point is Jesus was, was taking an example of, of not a very godly person, But when push came to shove and this guy guy needed to act, he was shrewd in the worldly sense of the way. But God uses what he did to teach us a lesson about money. And I've been learning. And so he said, there's three statements about money, followed by three questions that we need to ask ourselves. The statement is, number one, money's a trust. It's a trust. The guy in the story was a steward, but he was an unfaithful steward. He acted in his life as if he was the owner of his master's resources or property. He wasn't the owner. He was the manager. He was a steward. A steward is simply this, a manager of someone else's property. Jot that down, you, you, or just put it in your mind. It's, it's simple. That's what a steward is. It's a manager of someone else's property. In this story, the manager was caught wasting the owner's possessions. And so is told he should get the books in order because he's going to be fired. The word, word translated here, wasting, is the same word that's used in the parable of the prodigal son when the son who left his father who said to his dad give me everything in my inheritance and he took all of that and we know the story he went out and he wasted it all on himself that's the same word that's used here in this story as well this guy who wasn't the owner but was the steward he wasted the owner's property. He was selfish. He wasn't guilty of making bad investments. We've done that in our lives. I have. 
We make mistakes in our finances. Sometimes there's incompetence. I mean, this guy wasn't incompetent, all right? He wasn't just wasting. Or he was wasting, but it wasn't, it wasn't simply because he was making mistakes, honest mistakes. It wasn't, his, it wasn't that at all. He was misappropriating the owner's funds to spend it inappropriately on himself. He was in charge of the money, but he had used it to indulge himself rather than further his master's purposes. He wasn't a faithful servant, steward. He acted as if he were the owner. Stewardship. We're a steward, we're not the owner. We, we know that, but it's good to be reminded of it again. Stewardship is the use of God-given resources for the accomplishment of God-given goals. It's a great definition of stewardship. So I take that which the Lord's blessed me with, what he's given to me. By the way, we know that the Lord gives people in the body of Christ People, the ability to generate and create wealth. That's in the Bible. It's in Deuteronomy. I haven't been given that ability. There are those who have been given that ability. But it's a God-given ability. It's the Lord who's given you that ability, if you have that. But then we're to take those resources and use them to accomplish God's goals. He has goals. And he uses us. The question that I need to ask is this. Am I trustworthy? Secondly, money is a tool. The shrewd manager here, he was now astute. He was prudent. What did he do? Verse 3. He assessed his situation. Remember that? He said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm too ashamed to beg. That was a quick assessment, but it was an accurate assessment. Our assessment of our financial condition might take a little bit longer. I don't know. But there's a principle here. God's given us this tool. And he's asking us as a steward our responsibility, I should say, to assess our situation periodically, to stop and make assessment. We do that by choice. No one's making us do that. No one makes me do that in my own finances. This guy didn't have a choice. We do. Maybe you just need to sit down with someone and talk these things through with your spouse. Somebody that's gifted in the church. You're saying, I, I don't know if i got a handle on my finances. I need some help. Well, if you need help, and we're all willing to learn, there's people here in the body who will help. They will help you make a proper assessment of what's going on with your finances. We all need to do this periodically. Then what did he do? 
He made a plan. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. And then you know the plan. We read that. This is what I need to do based on my assessment. He still had the power and the authority to act, and that he did, right? He was shrewd. He was keen. He was astute. He made a plan. Listen. When we assess our condition, and then we we begin to make a plan, include giving to the Lord in your plan. Right? I don't think I, do I need to say that? Yes. I need to include that in my plan. Deanna and I sit down and, and talk about where we're at. We need to first ask the question, what does the Lord want us to give to his work, to the advancement of his kingdom in the earth? Sometimes we think a plan is not spiritual. A plan is spiritual. It's called being shrewd. If you don't have a plan, your money will just go anywhere and everywhere. Did you hear about the, the guy who was talking to a preacher and they were talking about finances? And the preacher asked him if he, if he had a plan. He said, well, I ha- absolutely, I have a plan for my finances in giving to the Lord. It's a great plan. I take the money that I have, I get it all in cash, all right? Get it all in cash. And here's my plan. I throw it up into the air, and I say, God, what you want, you take. (laughs) And whatever falls to the ground is mine. When we don't have a plan, that really is our plan, right? Right? When we don't have a plan, then we wait till we, we, if we have anything left over, and then we give that to God. That's not a plan. That's like throwing it up into the air and saying, if there's something, or God, take it. Take what you want. The Lord's worthy of praying through what it is that he's called us to give. Is he not worthy of that? He is worthy of that. God won't take his, his money from us. God won't take his money from us. We have to willingly give it to him. How do we do that? Do we write a check made payable to God and then just put it in the mail? It doesn't work that way, does it? I've never mailed God a check. How I give financially to the Lord is I I give 
to that which he loves. Do you know that the Lord loves his body, the church? He loves his bride. How we give to the Lord is we give to his church. And the various ministries of his bride throughout the earth. There's so many wonderful places to sow into the Lord's work. And all these ministries will have to stand before the Lord and give an account. If they were good stewards, it does make me as a leader just really think about this stewardship aspect because individually I have to give an account for what the Lord's blessed me with. But as a leader of a local congregation, we have to give an account of the monies that you have given because in your giving to this local ministry, you're saying that I'm giving this as unto the Lord, right? And so I, we have to stand before the Lord and say, Lord, were we good stewards? That makes me kind of shake a little bit like, I don't want to waste that which you have given sacrificially to the Lord. That would be dishonoring to the Lord. If we were to use the monies that you give to God through the church and we were to somehow waste that or misappropriate those funds, I believe that when you sow into this local church and everything's an open book here, you can ask questions about where the money goes. I believe it's a good investment because this is the Lord's church. It's not my church. I never signed up for this. Folks, I'm telling you the truth. I stand here, I preach only because I'm called to do it. If I wasn't called to do it, I would do something else. I love doing this, but it's for the Lord. You may say my little amount, my little amount doesn't doesn't matter. How can my one glass of water make a difference anyway? If I were to fill, say, hey, let's go to Vandenberg. Here's our goal. We're going to empty out the, the pool. No water. And it's our job to fill up Vandenberg pool. One glass at a time. I mean, how many millions of gallons of water would it take to fill up Vandenberg pool? I don't know. You'd say... My little one glass or one gallon is not going to even make a dent in that. It's not about the amount, folks, is it? It's about the heart. It's about the amount when the Lord puts that in your heart. But when I bring my one glass to the Lord in faithfulness and obedience, 
Well, he can do a miracle. If he can take five loaves and two fish and feed 25,000 people, he can take my one cup of water, right? And make it a million gallons. Start with a percentage in your plan, in your assessment. Your assessment may come back and say, there is more going out that's coming in. I can't give. Wrong answer. (laughs) You have to give. If you got more going out that's coming in, that means you got some problems, right? And there's grace. One of the first things you need to do is say, God, what are you calling me to give? You may not be able to afford to give a, a tenth, a tithe right now. I'm not putting any pressure on you. It's between you and the Lord. It's a great principle. But maybe all you can do right now in starting is 1%. Start with 1%. See what God's going to do. That one cup of water. He's going to bless that one cup of water. And he's going to make provision for you in your life. I believe that about the Lord. He's that good to us. If you give a percentage, ask God to help you give more to his work. Move from grade school giving, elementary, to junior and senior high giving, high school giving, to college giving, on to graduate and doctorate giving. It's where we want to end up before the Lord comes back. And we all want to stand before the Lord on that day and say, I progressed from elementary giving all the way. I got my doctorate. <laughs> I kept growing. Lord, you kept doing amazing things in my life. Never get to the point where you say, listen, please, this is important. Never say enough. I've reached my max. That would be dishonoring to the Lord. We'll never reach our max. Because it's all the Lord's. And he wants us to continue to invest it in his kingdom. So we all need to have a conversation with God. God, what are you saying to me? Not to my brother. To me. Not to the person three rows Ahead of me, two over. No, to me. He acted quickly. Verse 5, so he called in each one of his master's debtors. I mean, he, he did it right away. He didn't have time to waste. That's a principle. Don't wait around. Don't appear before the Lord empty-handed. That's a great principle in the Old Testament. Give something. Give something. I want to challenge you to do that. Give something. And there's all sorts of different ways to give. It's getting confusing to me. I'm old school. I like writing the check out. But I'm going to have to learn how to give on that smartphone that I have just so I can show everybody that it can be done. And that we can give this way. 
It really isn't. It's an acceptable offering of worship, right? We're on the iPad. One of these Sundays, I'm going to give that way out there. He acted quickly. Lastly, money is a test. Two observations as we wrap things up. It will test your loyalty. That's what Jesus said. Verse 13, no one can serve two masters. I wish money were neutral. I just wish it were that way. It's not. Jesus said, either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Money on earth will test your loyalty. When I was a kid, there was a comedian that uh, my dad would watch. <laughs> the Honeymooners. You might, and this is a different illustration. The, remember the Honeymooners? Alice, one of these days. I mean, he, he could not do that today. <laughs> one of these days, <laughs> you're going to the moon. It wasn't, it wasn't Honeymooners. It was, it was Jack Benny. He was always 39 years old, and he was a tightwad. In one of his television shows, he was accosted, accosted by a thug on the street who points a gun at him and says, your money or your life. And Benny just freezes. He's just frozen. The thief again says, come on, come on, your money or your life. And Jack Benny responds, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. God says to us every week, every week, he says, your money or me? And I think sometimes we respond, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. It's a hard decision to make. Not many of us are as shrewd as this guy was in the story. But our love for God will deepen if we give away his money. The more we give away, the more our hearts are warmed to God. I, I, I know it works that way. We think, I can't afford to give that much. Or, Lord, you're putting this person on my heart, and I, I wish I could, could help them out, but I can't. I just can't right now, but when we do, all of a sudden there's something that's released in our heart, this incredible affection towards God. It's like, wow, God, you love me and I love you. I love you more than anything. Until we learn to invest God's money in in God's people and his ministries, his body, will always be torn between two masters. Because we live in a world that often revolves around money, but money is never neutral. 
It's either the master or it's the servant. Here's the test. If the money that you have isn't serving God in some way, then you're serving the money. That's the point that Jesus drives home so strongly here. We can't have it both ways. You can't serve two masters. I either serve one and despise the other or vice versa. But if I use money shrewdly to reduce kingdom debts around the earth in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth, it will increase my devotion to the Lord. So test our loyalty. And lastly, it will be rewarded. It's going to be rewarded. Verse 4. If you connect verse 4 and verse 9, it's very interesting. This guy just wanted to have a place to live. Verse 4 says, temporal house. But Jesus talked about what? Verse 9. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves. Now that doesn't make sense. Why? That sounds kind of that sounds kind of devious, doesn't it? I mean, it happens a lot. Sometimes people are abused in the sense where they've been taken advantage of. What does he mean? Use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it's gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. That's the key. That's the key. There's a contrast going on here. Temporal versus the eternal. One will cease. You know, there will come a day when there will be no need for money anymore. But one thing will last forever. That's what? The souls of people. That means our giving on earth has a direct connection to people getting saved. There's going to be a welcoming committee for us in heaven. That's what it means. This guy wanted to be welcomed into a temporal house, but Jesus said, so into my kingdom so that you will be welcomed in heaven. Friends will be there. Somehow the people I impacted eternally with my giving will meet me in heaven and give thanks to God for how I obeyed the Lord in giving my all to Jesus. As Randy Elkhorn says, I can't take it with me, but I can send it on ahead of me. Friend, you're going to be surprised when you get to get to heaven and there's going to be these these people that they're going to line up and and they're not going to give you praise or thanks they're not going to say oh you're such a wonderful person that's not what Jesus means they're going to give thanks to God because of what you gave because what you gave the Lord used to save them the gospel went forth People who are introduced to Christ 
In the darkest regions of the earth, missionaries were sent and funded and supported. There's going to be millions and millions of people who are going to just, they're going to applaud, they're going to give the Lord, God, we're so grateful, thank you, God, that Joe and Sally and John, they, they, were, they were sensitive to you, God. They gave, and because they gave, I responded. Or you can keep it. Shrivel up and die. It's a choice we make. If you got one little glass or you got a million gallons, it doesn't matter. We're all going to stand before the Lord and he's going to say, what did you do? You were, you were a steward. How did you impact the kingdom? So I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to close quietly. I'm done. This is a two-part series on giving. The Lord's done just a work in my own heart. Just the, the last two or three minutes, pick, pick one thing in this outline. God uses, you can keep that up, God uses, keep the, the, the outline, we, we know the song. God uses the foolishness of preaching, that's what the word says, to somehow speak. Friends, sometimes you just got to get past the, the person and listen and hear God. What's God saying to you today? Pick one thing. You might need to go out, test your faith, walk on the water and see what the Lord is going to do as you just continue to give more to his work.